By the way, Ball's energy drink, amazing. The little blue bottle, if you can find it. Oh my gosh, that stuff was good. Oh, shout out, shout out. Shout out to Balls. I hope you guys are still doing it. I hope you guys are still making awesome products. And they do not pay us a dime. I'm just telling you, that's awesome stuff. Shout back, out. Back when I was, balls. Yeah, please. If, if we could get a sponsorship from Balls, I would just quit my job. I'm but not like, a corporate sellout. Yeah. But. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of Real Folk Dudes Podcast. Today, we'll be covering episode eight, Sad Clown A Go-Go. I'm your Kodo drinking companion, Jazzy Jeff, on the other side of the laptop. The smoker of King Mouse cigarettes himself, West Coast Walker. West Coast Walker, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. I don't have anything quippy to say, except... Uh, well, that's good, because we got a lot to talk about. This game sucks balls. <laughs> All right, so this week's episode opens up at Shirius Medical, where we see a sign on a door get splattered with blood, and Vicious and some of his syndicate goons are shooting up employees and barging their way in. They flip on the light switch. You see several dogs, like, wailing. They're in, like, little cutouts that kind of looks like a menagerie of dogs, and Vicious is breaking out the notorious Pierre LeFou, your boy. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. We learned that they had made Red Eye just to control him. Yes. Apparently, he's the best hitman in the solar system. He is the result of an experiment gone wrong. And they hooked him on Red Eye to control him and made Red Eye specifically to control him. And it scrambled his brain. He's a violent, homicidal, loose cannon maniac. And Vicious says, Sounds like my kind of guy. Sounds like my kind of guy. So Vicious points his gun at the doctor and he pushes her aside and she goes to her computer to unlock Pierre LeFou. Pierre walks out slowly in a straight jacket with a big beard, hair all over his face, not unlike my companion, West Coast Walker. And the dogs start barking like crazy and Pierre starts growling back at them. The doctor says he hates dogs, which, dude, yeah, we know. We see that. Anyways. We see Jennifer Lawrence, the nurse. Yeah, <laughs> we see flashbacks of experiments of them doing different things to him and the dogs barking and just clearly there's like PTSD there. LeFou says, not just dogs. And he looks over at the doctor. The doctor says, this is insane. There is a reason we call him Mad Pierre. And Vicious shoots and kills the doctor and immediately gains Pierre's trust. And Vicious strikes him a deal. He says, all the red eye you want, all you got to do is kill this guy named Spike Spiegel. And here we go. So we open with the Bebop crew. We see Spike, Jet, and Fate having a little bowling excursion. Jet has a 7-10 split. He does not pick up the spare, and he is not happy about it. Spike and Faye are acting like teenagers that are too cool to be excited, which I guess is kind of par for the course. It's what they've been similar to on this series, honestly, not unlike the anime. Spike takes his turn very smoothly, has his cup of coffee or whatever in his hand, and he casually rolls a strike. Faye has her granny Josh. shot. <laughs> Then he does a little granny shot, and Jet tries to interrupt her and says, wait, you know, it's bad luck to, to roll before the ball comes back. And she's like, well, the bowling gods don't give a crap about me. She rolls a gutter ball, turns around, and her friends are holding, are holding a birthday cake for her. Very sweet. He said, She says, 
well, aren't you the sweetest dickheads a girl could ask for? And she asked, the only request is that they don't sing happy birthday. So, of course, they immediately sing happy birthday. But she blows out the candle immediately to stop them from continuing the song. What do you think about this little interaction? About like Faye's uh, rating of bowling. <laughs> so I get what they're going for here. They're trying to go back to those decompression moments. They're trying to go back to bonding moments. They're trying to show that these people have a stupid. <laughs> that that's fair. That's fair that they that they make her look a little dumb here. I get what they're going for. I don't think it landed, but I do think I, I see what the the goal was in writing this scene. Well, of course you do, Jet. You're the one that dragged us to the bowling alley. Damn it, Spike! I don't want to talk about it. Flips hair. So as they're walking out of the bowling alley, Faye's trying to get Ayn to use the, bo- use the potty. And they walk around uh, a dark alley. And I'm pretty sure this is the alley that Thomas and Martha Wayne were murdered in. And all of a sudden... Where's the pearls? Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Pierre Lafouche uh, appears. We see a close-up on a clock. And as soon as it strikes midnight or whatever time it was as soon as it hits the even 12 the clock dings and he opens up his trench coat and the boy is strapped he's got every sort of gun you can imagine and he starts they start shooting at him i'm sorry they start shooting at him i think they actually shoot first which is probably not ideal like he could have just been showing his collection but at any rate they start shooting at him and he has like force fields type thing and he starts firing back and he starts firing back Big time because he's strapped. He is the one. Oh, Trinity, we told you. He's got a really evil grin here. He's got let, really. Let me just say, yeah. I got like. I'm not. No, go just keep going. Sorry, sorry. No, keep going. Crazy laugh. He's blasting everywhere. Faye and Jet get blocked off by a flaming car at the end of an alley, so they can't get to where he and Spike are, and he gets. Spike within close range, and he starts beating the hell out of Spike. He grabs him in tight, pulls him close, and he says, Vicious sends his regards. And about that time, LeFou's arm, like, turns into a flamethrower. And I'm not sure if this was an accidental thing, like a, like a misfire or, if, like, Spike had hit something. But he starts, like, shooting flames out of his arm, and he ends up catching Spike's arm on fire really badly. And Jet finally comes over and breaks him up, and... Faye puts out the flame on Spike's arm with her jacket. And just as LeFou is about to kill them all, Ayn starts barking. He has a crazy flashback to his test subject days, and he gives the Bebop, Bebop crew just enough opportunity to escape. They swapped out the cats from the anime. Didn't make a big difference to me. Dogs, cats, whatever. At least this way they can involve Ayn with it a little that, bit. Is that, is that, that a problem? That was to me. That was a problem. We'll get to that though. Are one of the one of the best unintentional comedic scenes I think probably of the year is coming okay. up. So we see the crew on the ship and they're putting Spike in the tub, and they have a burn kit, which is like little blue beads that they have to pour on Spike. And they said the pain's going to be unbearable. Faye brings him a loofah to bite down on. They said that he's going to probably pass out from the pain, which he does. And Jet decides he needs to go figure out what's going on. 
Faye's like, you know, what, what do you want me to do? He says, wait 15 minutes, get him cleaned up, get him to bed. So that's, that's the plan. Then we meet our girl again, Woodcock in the building. So I noticed in that, I noticed in that last scene, she said something. She was talking about LeFou and she kept, she just kept going on about him. And Jet was trying to like take care of Spike. And she yeah, was like, so oh, he's like, dad. The whole and episode, Faye is clearly like shaken by the fact that someone could be like so ruthless and someone could just be like hunting you down, I guess, for some reason. Um, I guess yeah. so. Yeah, she was definitely she was definitely sketched out by it, uh, and she'll do other things throughout the episode that will illustrate that she is clearly shook by this you know experience. So Jet is meeting with Woodcock because Woodcock is who you go to if you need information, and they are in like a food truck spot. It looks like it is hardly the candlelit dinner with uh, fine wine or whatever it was that Jet owed her. Um, which I wonder if he'll ever have to pay up on that or not. But she hands Jet a file and it is blank. And she gives it to him just to make a point that LeFou is clean as a whistle. He's a phantom and there is no sign that he ever existed. So he has to be something big time like the syndicate. And then Woodcock asks the natural question that would make sense for anybody. Like Jet, if there, if the heat isn't on you, if you're not doing it, if everything you're doing is above board and you're not getting yourself dirty, like why would anyone in the syndicate be concerned with what's going on? So what's going on with your partner? And Jet's like, oh, I haven't, I haven't looked into my partner. There's, there's no need to, he's saved my life countless times. She's like, well, that's interesting. You should say that. And I thought you might say something similar to that. So I looked him up and he's even less conspicuous than LeFou. She says, you've got issues. And he says, I've got all types of them but not my partner. And he says, thanks. And he says he owes her. And as he walks away, she checks his ass out. He says, protect that ass of yours, Jet. I'm coming for it. What's mine? Nom, 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 nom. Um, mm -hmm. When Jet returns to the ship, he is going to try to initiate conversation with Spike. And he brings some uh, rum from Old Earth that he has been stashing to the side. And he says, oh, it was for medicinal purposes. No, I think it was, it was honestly for a situation, you know, kind of like this where you don't know if you promise tomorrow, let's bust out the good stuff and let's try to have a conversation with my good buddy here. And or he, help, help Spike be able to tell the truth. Maybe that. for once, yeah. He asked what LeFou said to him and Spike says, the only thing he said to me was die, 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 which is obviously not the truth. And Spike tries pinning it on Ayn, and it actually ends up looking like there's something to that uh, when Ayn starts acting like weird here in a minute. But Spike says, I told you, something is fishy about that dog. And around that time, we're going to see Pierre LeFou having flashbacks of his torturous operations, and you hear a weird voice say, go to your happy place, go to your happy place. And you see flashbacks of a place called Earthland, which looks a lot like Coney Island. I think that's what they were going for. Uh, there was a, a theme park in the anime. And I don't know. I watched it, but I don't remember if they were specifically as going for the, the Coney Island look with like the big, big face and everything like that. But it definitely there's a specific place in mind that he. I think that went for more Disneyland in the original. And they had some Looney Tunes in there, but it was it was mostly just like beating up on Disney characters and some Warner Brothers characters. Yeah. 
So we see Faye laying on the couch, jotting a list of everyone that she's ever pissed off. And Spike asks her to move so we can use the computer. Jet walks over, pressing again. He says, come on, you know, he had to have said something. Who is he? And Spike says, that's what I'm trying to find out. About that time, LeFou hacks into Ayn remotely using some kind of thing on his wrist or something. And he spies on the Bebop crew for a second. And then he projects his face in their living quarters, if you will. And he says, I have traveled all this way to take your life. I will kill your friends. I will destroy your ship. I will rip your heart out. You will face me or you will see all you love destroyed. You have two hours or the killing begins. And then he gives coordinates to where he's at. Aye, 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 Rangers. Zordon, he's smoking. <laughs> Rangers. Yeah, I I had to stop. When I saw this scene, I was like, okay, you connected. You're going to connect. You're not going to do a cat, so you're going to do dogs, so you can connect Ein. And your way of making him a genius is have TV come out of his face, like R2-D2. Shocker. <laughs> I mean, it was just... Spike Spiegel, you're my only hope. I know they... No, Exactly. We used to bullseye wombats from 60 feet out. That's way smaller than that. So, no. I They wanted to make him OP. And the way they did that was gave him the hover boots. Um, lots of – he had guns, lots of guns. He knew kung fu. He could stop bullets. Um, they must have just watched The Matrix or something like that when they wrote this. But that was how they made him overpowered. They gave him the hover boots so they could make that iconic shot of him kicking Spike in the air. And they were able to get that through a shadow, I think, in their first confrontation. I believe that is their first confrontation in the anime and not the, the final confrontation they have where he does get kicked yeah, around like that. Alec first in the anime. Right. So, yeah, that was their way of just making him uh, completely overpowered. For what it's worth, Faye was equally as concerned as you that Ayn had projections coming out of his eyeballs. It, it yeah, really she, she continued she to bring it up yeah. until it was it was it got it got rough there when she kept bringing it up. It was like, OK, OK, I hate you. So we cut to LeFou doing a little window shopping at Earthland. He sees an old mannequin, like an old timey clown entertainer suit, jester suit. I'm not really sure what you'd call it. And he decides that he's going to uh, look the part. He killed the Batman. Is, is, we kill the Batman. Yeah, he's very excited about it. We see Spike getting dressed and ready for a showdown. Jet comes in, and Jet insists that they go and take him on as a team. Spike explains that the force field thing won't stop knives. That's his plan, is to throw knives at him. And Jet bluffs knowing about Spike's past. And Spike is like, really like, oh, like it's jarring to Spike at first. He knows. And then Jet tries to, you know, peel it back. And he's like, yeah, you know, you're ex-military, special ops. And Spike takes like a big sigh of relief, like silently. And here's another opportunity for Spike to come clean. Another opportunity to let his partner know what's going on. And he does not take it. No, he pegs it on the dog. What an asshole. <laughs> he, he does eventually, reluctantly, agree to let Jet and Faye help. And Faye is sure to mention her concerns about Ayn again, again. And the crew leaves Ayn behind. It is a heartbreaking scene. The saddest I've been watching this show, watching the ship fly away as a good boy is left behind. I missed that. So they lost Ayn now? That's what it looked like. I poured some kudo out. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's, that's what it looked like. I saw Ayn laying there, and he was, like, sad and laid down. It looked like Charmander when his 
Pokemon trainer. Tired. Yeah. It's got to be tiring being by far the smartest person on that ship. Yeah, I mean, it's just he kind of disappeared. Like he wasn't. There were a few episodes I don't even think he was in, and I forgot about him. And then they bring him back to be Zordon R two D two. This is fucked up. Yeah. The the one thing I mean, and we can talk about this later, but I think Ayn is awesome, but he plays a lot better when he has Edward to play off of. I think that yeah, they just those two play really well in the anime. And when you take that yin to the yang out of it, uh, it, it loses something. And like I said, it's they, an animal and the most childlike person on the ship. And they're the two smartest and they have the neatest interactions. Yeah. It's, what they did was without Edward, they took the childlike qualities and just imputed them on Faye and just because conflated those characters together, which I, I don't think has worked, but we'll see in season two. Yeah. I hate you so much. So we see the top of a skyscraper in the middle of a giant city, and we see Vicious and Santiago meeting. Santiago has the cuffs for Vicious, as he requested, and Vicious reiterates that, hey, you said it was just going to be the two of us, and you said that it was going to be my ship. So Vicious is like, we're going to go by my terms. And Santiago is a little hesitant but he does agree when Vicious says, <laughs> in my ship, my men can at least track me should you decide you want to eat my testicles for tea. Lose the guards, lose the ship, or lose the deal. And he does agree with that. And he goes ahead and he cuffs Vicious. And Vicious says to Julia, don't be afraid. When I return, everything will be different. And Julia says, for the better. And the two kiss, and Julia says, I love you. Like, Again, more Julia stuff that I just don't understand. I don't understand this character at all, but we'll have more time to get into that, I guess. There is a nice little accident, I think, that happens that, and it's just something to remember, but I should probably wait a little bit before I say anything. But you keep I was going. just waiting. As she says, I love you. I was just waiting for Vicious to pull the Han Solo and say, I know. <laughs> yeah, instead, he, instead, he just walked off. Yeah. It's like, whatever. So we cut back to Jet having Spike and Faye practice going through the, the plan phase by phase, and he's got little rhyming things to help try to remember. And honestly, he's not wrong. It's a good way to help remember something like that, especially if it's going to be as detailed and they can't afford to lose. It is clear that Jet is taking the situation very seriously. He knows how deadly this killer is, and he doesn't want to lose somebody. And, Pop culture uh, nerd Jet. I think you quoted an old Western actor there. I do love he has little props that reminded me of Back to the Future. And I was just waiting for like Doc Martin to show up and be like, 88 not miles an hour, Marty. You guys aren't ready for that yet, I guess. <laughs> Your kids are going to love it. Calvin so, Cable. <laughs> Calvin Klein. I feel like I was kissing my brother. So we see a, a crazy mountain mansion. This is like some sci-fi looking stuff with the elders up high and Vicious is chained and he's gagged and he's looking desperate. We have Mao on one side of him and Santiago on the other. And they're saying treason, treason, treason. And Vicious looks terrified. Did you think anything was, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a hard question to ask in this situation, but I thought, man, for someone who looks like he's got a plan here, he looks really scared, like particularly scared. 
Santiago pulls the katana from the sheath and he gives the blade to Mao. And grinning, Mao leans over to Vicious and says, you should have known better, Vicious. She raises the sword over her head. The Caliban says, you disappointed me, boy. You've always disappointed me. And she comes down with the blade and chops his head off. And then we see a face change. The head that's the severed head rolling on the floor changes and it is actually Santiago's face. And now we see Santiago standing there turned back into vicious and he has like an evil smile. And he says to Mao, you shouldn't have made Julia sing. And then like some really cool upbeat music starts playing and vicious goes ham and he just starts just kicking everyone's ass. There he was, did it all. He did it all for you, Judith, Julia. He did it. He did it. <laughs> You're never gonna let that die, and I'm glad. So he kills everyone except for Mao, which he leaves laying there, and the Caliban. So the Caliban says, "Don't be rash, boy." As Vicious slowly walks up the steps to meet him, Vicious says, "I've always loathed that term of endearment. I would have preferred son." It's a crime. Mother is no longer here with us to witness this. She did always want us to be closer. Well, I'd say we're having a proper father-son moment now, aren't we? A true heart-to-heart. And he takes his knife out and he digs it into the Caliban. And he proceeds to say, didn't you dream that one day I'd prove myself to be enough? And he digs the knife even deeper. How about now? And he throws the Caliban to the ground. And Caliban says, you're nothing but a scared little boy. You, You will never be anything else. And Vicious says, I beg to differ, Dad. And he grabs the katana, and a creepy crescendo comes. Yeah, the old face swap. Cool. I'm going to take his face. It's like looking in a mirror, only not. I'm just saying, if it's... What, why not cast John Travolta and Nick Cage here? Because these Will Smith, Will Smith and Nick Cage. <laughs> well, I just know that those two have have like they've made the definitive face swap movie, and they've done it. That's the gold standard now. If we're going to go into face swap territory, that's what you want to do. Get the pros. Get a guy, get a guy from Pulp Fiction. You got to. Why not? <laughs> so, I thought the some of the action in the scene was pretty good. Vicious. Really it was captivating. I mean, you can't say it wasn't captivating. If nothing else, it I was glued. So the face swap thing, while you know they had shown that technology before in the show, and I mean, I I hate the device, plot and literal, but yeah, they keep mentioning it briefly as if it's something that is like so archaic. Why would anybody ever need to use this? It seems pretty freaking useful. Like. Oh, uh-huh. you know, no one would ever use that. That's old technology. Well, I mean, people seem to be getting using it with a pretty high success rate right now. Like, and they did, obviously they didn't show you the transition with Vicious and Santiago so they could have that hook there and the twist. Um, I must say, if I'm Santiago, I would, I watched, the second time I watched it, I was like, you know, you could have better body language there for someone that is not the person that they're saying you are. You mean like, the way they hyped yeah. him up and then he looked Yeah, Mal's awesome. like, Mal's just talking to him and he's like, <laughs> you couldn't have been like, like anything, dude. Try. Yeah. <laughs> now I won't argue with you on that. Good. 
Kill him, boy. Good, good. Unlimited power. So we go back to Spike and Jet, and they're go, going We're over. We're not talking about the Emperor anymore. Boy, the Emperor from we'll get back to it. <laughs> Spike and Jet and Faye are going over their plan some more and then some more. And Jet is going to try to give them a little pep talk. You know, says, all right, guys, hands in. And you can tell they're like, dude, you are the corniest guy in the world. But they do put their hands in and give them the go team. And Spike takes off in the swordfish. And he puts a little hard drive thing in. And the Bebops, the crew of the Bebop sees a signal jammed and their entire ship is shut down. No lights, no power. And every one of the ship systems got knocked out of a multi-partite factual cascade virus, is what Jet said. And he opens a panel and he finds a little USB looking thing with a picture of a kangaroo cartoon on it. And that's when they realize that they were sabotaged by a spike and it's going to take at least an hour to get things running again. So again, Spike refuses to be, I don't know. I'm not going to say he's not a part of the team because he's last episode, everything he did was for the team, except for when it's his things. He kind of wants to just deal with it himself. I thought they did. Um, th this, it was kind of hard. I had the context of the anime to know that part of the, you know, Spike goes alone, part of the reason, because the guy's so overpowered. Yeah. And with this, it was, a they, they kind of just told it in a different way. Um, not so much that he was, like, I think they showed how afraid he was and how also he, much he was worried about the fight that he wanted to make sure that he went alone and i think that's also what he was doing here but it all but with everywhere that spike's been on it just looks like he's being a dick again like the way they've kind of written him in this and he's, he's had kinda, a lot a lot a lot this season yeah he's actually been kind of annoying since about episode two not really done anything except yeah. kind of just let jet do everything and i mean I guess all that is based on the fact that we assume that the end of the show will deal with Spike, but yeah, it's, it's still getting used to, you know, we're eight episodes in and something that they, they tried to do with this show was not do the non sequitur. Like you have to watch these in order. Yeah. Yeah. So we see vicious and Mao having a little interaction and he says, did you really think that I would trust you with my life as Mao's crawling away? Vicious turns her over with his sword, and Mouse says, tell Julie I'm sorry. He says, for making her sing? And Mouse says, for failing to deliver your head to her. And she starts laughing like this diabolical laugh, and Vicious takes his katana over his head and comes down and swiftly just cuts Mouse's head off. Easy come, easy go. Here's what's left of the Marlboro woman. Mm. Great smokes, though, as you know. You're well aware. So we see Spike, a really cool shot of him walking through the gates of Earthland. He's walking through the giant mouth of a face gate, and it was just a really cool image. It's like a Happy Gilmore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like ha Happy. Happy learned to putt. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people have really drawn a lot of comparisons to this series to Happy Gilmore. There's That's all over the internet. And the lights come on. It's super creepy. We see the spotlight come on Spike. All of the rides are moving. Everything is lit up and, and running. And we see LeFou on the top of a Ferris wheel in his brand new clown costume. And he starts shooting wildly at Spike. And Spike is trying to combo running for his life while also getting intermittent 
tosses of knives in at the guy where he comes kind of close a few times, but never is able to land one. Yeah, he's mostly just hiding. Yeah, which is about the best you can do with this guy. This guy is a bad boy. So he shoots at Spike, and Spikes jumps into a carnival game. It looked like a little shooting range, which I think that's what it is, and that's kind of cool if that's what it was, like just for the symbolism of it. And while he's inside, he grabs one of the prizes. It's a toy dog, and he throws the toy dog, and it lands at LeFou's feet. He sees the dog, and he starts freaking out. So Spike looks over, and he has one blade left. So he has one shot, and he runs at LeFou, gets close range, and he stabs him in the leg. Well, they kind of put up LeFou over here a bit because LeFou deflected. Spike did not. Spike went for a critical shot, and LeFou was able to deflect it into his leg. Okay. Yeah. So he goes for a critical shot. He gets stabbed in the leg. And then he starts crying like a baby, just like in the anime. I was curious if they were going to do that or if they thought that was a little too corny because there are a lot of things in anime that doesn't translate as we've seen some elements that are comedy or lighthearted or just different that it doesn't translate in live action or doesn't even really translate in a lot of American animated stuff that does in anime. It was, it was whatever to me. Um, I, I just wondered if they were going to do it and they did. He cried and said, mommy, it hurts. That's a perfect thing to do for the live action because Spike doesn't have to do anything athletic. So Spike kicks the bottom of, of LeFou's suit and he's like, hits like some kind of sort of a button and he starts floating upwards and as he's floating up, a little strap, a leather strap of explosives falls off and Spike sees it coming down and he starts running and he narrowly escapes the explosion, kind of like one of those like classic action movies jumping as the explosion and getting propelled forward. Yeah. They cut away from that really quickly. You just see the whole perimeter blow up and then they just cut to the next. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Scene. okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The most deadly guy that you're going to see in this entire show. Okay. It's done. So then we cut to Julia, and she's sitting in her home, drinking again. She drinks a lot, and she is waiting on a call. She looks at her phone, and there's no call. And Vicious walks in, covered in blood. He says, did you have a good day? Mine was good. Bloody good. And he looks down at Mouse's severed head that he's holding, and he tosses the head in the fireplace. And he says, I have a feeling it's going to keep getting better. And they have a close-up of Vicious's bloody face. And then the episode ends with a scared Julia close-up of her face. The end. So first thoughts, that fireplace, that's going to stink so bad. Quick story. When Hannah and I were dating, I took her to a nice restaurant in like a old, it was like a old, like a super old house uh, in Lexington. And they had turned it into like this super upscale restaurant and I remember saying something like I was making terrible money at the time, like minimum wage. And I was like, where's the prices on these? And she like leaned over to show me where the prices were because the prices were tiny because the people that eat at this restaurant, they don't concern themselves with the prices. And as she does, her hair falls into the candle and it went up in flames and she probably burned like two or three inches of her hair. And that entire restaurant stunk. They moved everyone that was on our floor down to the lower floor. And we had the entire top floor to ourselves. And I only say that to illustrate, that was a couple inches of her hair. My man Vicious just threw an entire severed fucking head into a fireplace. That is going to smell awful. Do you have anything to say about burnt hair before we get into anything else, Walker? 
I remember one time my freshman year of college, I underestimated the wattage of my microwave. I cooked the popcorn thinking it was like an 800 watt, watt microwave, but it was a 1200 watt microwave. And then the, the entire floor smelled like burnt popcorn for a week. Nice. That's like some hazing stuff. Yeah. I was right next to the RA too. Poor schmuck. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> my MVP this episode, Vicious. I think it's an easy one. He went against all odds. He overcame and he, he did what he had to do. He did something. Literally, everyone was out to get him and he overcame. And now he has all the power of the syndicate and he has one thing left that he wants to do to be happy forever. That's a big one, but it's one thing. He has to kill Spike Spiegel, but he just overcame every other obstacle in his life all in one day. Yeah, he's the easy MVP. He had a good day. Jed had a good episode as well. I he always it. does. Ever since I, episode one, he always does. Yeah, I enjoyed the unison uh, plan recitations, phase one, phase two, phase three, the the rhyming devices. That was fun. Vicious mm-hmm. um, had some good action here. Took out a lot of dudes. Had some good, some good knife throws. Spike also was throwing a lot of knives today and yeah. did the, didn't land as many as Vicious did. The caliber of uh, people he was throwing knives at were a little higher, I would say. But yeah, absolutely. I don't know how Spike's going to beat this Vicious guy. He uh, looks pretty good. He looks pretty good. And now he has the power of the syndicate behind him. I am untouchable. So I have a theory. And he gets to keep his 2%. <laughs> he does. I think next episode we're going to see Edward. I think we're going to see Edward, and I think Edward is going to be with Ayn. I think somehow or another, using her hacking skills, she will find Ayn by himself and say, what are, you, what are you doing here? I'm going to, you know, get you back to your crew, and that is how we will have the whole crew come together. My prediction, Edward and Ayn on the Bebop together next episode. Well, if you bring Edward, she's just got to save the day. Yeah, I don't know. The next episode is called Blue Crow Waltz, so I'm going to guess that this is a very heavy flashback episode, and we are going to get what Julia was alluding to in her with the, the Dr. Londons. Yeah, when she said something about, you know, what you did at the Blue Crow when you killed that kid or something like that. Mm-hmm. We're going to get some clarity on what she meant by that. Clearly, that is a night that sticks with Spike. Uh, it's one of his most important memories for whatever reason it's something that he really has trouble processing compartmentalizing i don't know and i think that is going to be what we're going to see i I think it won't be all uh, flashback but i think that it's going to be a heavy flashback episode another thing i want to say i have a gripe with we've got two episodes left we've not seen grin's backstory we've not seen grin do anything other than just smoking cigarettes getting people seated at bars we got two episodes left. Are we doing anything with Grin? The shot of Grin in the opening credits still hasn't been used. Yeah, I, I just don't know, man. We'll see. You got two episodes to do something. It just seems like a waste to introduce this character, not to do anything, but we'll see. I'm curious if we're going to get Edward now. My prediction, like I said, we get Edward next episode. If you don't, you can't bring Edward in episode 10, can you? Unless you I mean, do, I, it was like as a teaser, like, oh, hey, look, we're going to have season two, as we now know won't happen. But I didn't want to bring Edward in after episode six. 
I, I didn't understand the point. See, here's the thing. And I don't know if I've made this point on previous episodes or not. If I have, then just stop me. But Edward has, I remember when Goku learned instant transmission and they, they asked Akira Toriyama about that decision to give him that ability. And he said that it was really just to drive the plot forward. Otherwise, there would be entire episodes or entire seasons of Goku traveling from this place to this place, no matter how fast you get him, you know, or like to go to the other world or, you know, talk to dead people. So Edward, a lot of what Edward does is oh why would it make sense for this crew to be able to do this well because they have a super hacker that can make this happen because we have the smartest hacker so as a plot driver i understand so now you're you're in the final two episodes so you don't really need edward in terms of driving a plot because you're on the last two episodes and now you're gonna are you going to introduce a whole new character and not have time to give a backstory, not have time to let the, the character breathe, let have, you know, interactions with the other characters or to, I don't know. I, I think we will get, we will get um, Edward. I just don't know how well that's going to work at this point. It should have, I agree with you. It should have happened by episode what, six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she showed up, I think in episode nine in the anime, but they were far from the end at that point. Yeah. yeah you weren't even halfway at that point. So relative to that, you would think she'd show up episode four or five. Yeah. I don't know. The, what we're finding is, and like I said, we've got two episodes left, but we're getting up to the butt end of it here, and we're saying there's not enough time. There's not enough time to do the things that we said that had to happen. Like, oh, well, we'll give this a pass if later on they do this, or later on if this happens, and we're, we're, we're getting up against it now. Uh, and as it starts to happen, I think you and I will both, especially you, will become a lot more critical of these types of decisions that they made because you only have a finite amount of time and how you choose to use that time, it's fine, but just know that the way you budget it, it it's going to play an impact of how much we care about certain characters or the ch- characters you chose to ignore or you know different uh, elements of the story that you just never really dove into. It sucks balls. <laughs> exactly. They were so, like, hold on. How, what, what, what's a good thing for this? Search Halo message board 2007 <laughs> and Ooh. Sucks balls. Also about, also about 15 years ago. So probably when Faye was frozen, she was playing Halo 3. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking balls here. This is a big deal. Balls yeah, drink with, balls energy, drink balls energy, everyone. Sorry. I remember like staying up late drinking bottles of balls with my buddy Jackson back in the day watching Cowboy Bebop. That was, man, I'm telling you. Did you like to mince and preen? <laughs> I'm looking forward to this next episode, man. I want to see what they do with Julia's character because so far she has been very unlikable. I don't care if she's unlikable. You just got to give me like, sh- like w- what? What is Spike? I, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I want to okay, see yeah, something that, that like, what why is does my protagonist? Right? Why does our yeah. protagonist love you if we don't have if we haven't seen anything redeeming? Then this, it makes the protagonist look like a fucking idiot. Yeah, this is the flashback. This is your opportunity to make her look like a sweetheart because you just spent the last eight episodes making her look awful. My guess is that there's going to be something that it made it look like Spike did something really bad. It gave him the reputation of being the worst killer. Julia deciding that the second worst killer is a safer boyfriend and <laughs> yeah. that 
and he ruins it. <laughs> and then I guess here you're going to learn that Spike probably like saved like a bunch of people and like a grandma and got framed or something. So it'll be, it'll be, um, I, I don't think it'll be good, but it'll, it'll happen. It's here. It's coming. Yeah. So we've got two episodes left. The last two episodes of the anime were the real folk blues parts one and two. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So we're getting, we're heading, these are the last two episodes and I'm curious if it'll flow as if it were one big thing, the same way the anime did. Two-parter. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, and, and it may not even end anywhere near if they were talking about doing a second season, we may not even get that final confrontation with spike and vicious the way we did in the anime. Who knows? Do we want a two part final episode? So what, what we're going to do is this is episode eight. We're going to do episode nine. We're going to do episode 10. And then the next episode we do will be an overall recap of the entire series as a whole, because I don't want to spend us breaking down episode 10 and then have us just ranting about the entire series as a whole. What I want to do is give every episode its own chance to be broken down as thorough as the last. And then we'll have one last episode to give our overall thoughts on the entire series. And we'll break down having seen everything. So we have the entire big picture in front of us. Uh, I just think it'd be a disservice to do episode 10 as half of it is breaking down the episode and half of it is us giving our thoughts on the whole series. I just think that would be too much of a mess. That's fair. Well, that's pretty much everything I've got. Uh, do you have anything else on this episode? No, I'm going to watch episode nine probably right after this. Find out, I guess, what happened at Blue Crow. And there were there were things to like about this episode. And we got into some of them, all, obviously. But uh, the the throne room scene with Vicious will probably, that's going to be the most, uh, that's the most, I guess, notable, memorable part yeah. Yeah. of the episode. I did think, I thought it was interesting in the scene with Santiago. This is what I was going to say earlier that I, I wanted to wait, but obviously he mistrusts Vicious in that situation. And I think the thing that broke the tie was when he looked at Julia and he knew Julia was in on the plan. So that made him feel better about it. And then he went with it. Vicious not True. knowing that because he would have screwed it up. So Vicious not knowing that can benefit benefits from Julia here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm curious once, and I know Vicious is this amazing killer. We saw it on display. But Santiago, Mal hyped this dude up as he was a bad mofo, and he looked like a bad mofo. And maybe they'll show us he poisoned him or he did something slick, and, and it'll – but right now I have some real concerns of just just the logistics of it because clearly this is a man that, that had his guard up, that was going to have his guard up. And the idea that Vicious would get him on his plane and just overpower him just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, I understood why you wouldn't show it there because you're trying. Maybe they had planned to give a flashback to show you what happened there, but and just I for think that, that's, that's what they'll do. Maybe if they don't, then I have a problem with it. But if they show us something that makes it make sense, I'll give them that opportunity. Yeah, because they definitely they they made Santiago look like a bad motherfucker. But at the same, I mean, and they did with Mal too. At least Mal got to fight. Santiago didn't get to do anything. Let's not get it twisted. Mal was bad. Mal was laughing in his face as as he brought the blade down on him. Yeah. Like, 
that like, oh, you're going to kill me. Well, guess what? Your girlfriend wanted you dead. So there's nothing you can do that's going to like be miserable, you prick. You know, like, yeah, Mal was, Mal was bad. Tell Cersei it was me. Ah. <laughs> All right. Well, we will get off here, wrap it up, and we will see you guys for the next episode, Real Folk Dudes, when we break down episode nine, Blue Crow Waltz. Have a good one, Walker.